0: Hey, guess what? This is kind of, sort of, the first official episode of Growing Up Pump. So I say, kind of, sort of the first official episode of Growing Up Punk, because Aaron's not here. It's just me, David, and uh, in a few moments here, you're going to hear my interview with the guy who's been on the show a couple of times, back when we were known as Music to My Peers, and we're going to talk about his new album coming out, and I say his, I mean his bands. Uh, I'm going to be chatting with Matt from Junior about their new album, Beautiful Life. Uh, in just a few seconds here, you're going to hear that interview, but first, got to get you know that kind of housekeeping stuff out of the way. Uh, so... If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at GrowingUpPunk. You can also find us... Sorry, that's wrong. Instagram is at GrowingUpPunk. Twitter is at GrowingPunkPod. And then you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at DavidGrowingUp. And if you want to find Aaron on Instagram, at AaronGrewUpPunk. They're all different. Would have been sweet if we could have got that all the same. But you know what? It's the way it goes, right? Uh, and also, wherever you're listening to the show, make sure you, know, you, you subscribe, you give it a rating, a review, that kind of stuff, especially if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts. That'll help get the show into more ears, especially if you leave a rating and a review. And yeah, just tell your friends about the show because we'd like to grow it. We're growing up, punk. We'd like to grow it. And if this is your first time listening, basically the show is this. Uh, we talk about music. Punk rock, specifically, or stuff that follows under the or falls under the punk rock umbrella. Uh, our regular co-host of mine, Aaron, and myself, we both grew up listening to punk, so we tend to talk about you know a lot of the stuff we grew up listening to, as well as some new music. But anyway, without further ado, I don't want to waste any more of your time. This is my interview with Matt from Junior on Growing Up Punk. So this is your, I guess, third time being on the show, but it's technically your first because we just changed the name of the podcast uh, from Music to My Peers to Growing Up Punk. And oh, cool. Yeah, so so to lead that off, I'm going to ask you a question that's going to take you way back, I'm assuming, to when you were much younger. But do you remember what the first like punk band or punk album, anything that could be <laughs> labeled that that you listened to that got that, that got you into the music?
1: I mean, so it's kind of a, it's a, it's kind of a loaded question because, like, <laughs> I know, because uh, obviously, for some people, punk's quite sort of territorial sure. and what yeah. sort of counts as punk. I mean, like, if we're sort of saying that, like, if we're talking about entry level, like, let's say if I'm broadening the writing like, metal as well and the sort of, like, like you know, hardcore punk sort of right. metal-y sort of thing, like, very, very early on, one of my favorite bands was, like, Avenged Sevenfold. Sure. Like, really, really, you know, yeah. uh, but I remember just liking the sort of, that uh, they had like big choruses more than anything. I wasn't too bothered about it being like, you know, metal and, you know, like I remember hating the first record, we didn't do any singing, but, um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah yeah, like, I mean, so they, they were like my first ones, sort of like, let's say, sort of like rock entry level. Sure. Uh, but first, punk, I mean, my dad, um, is really into a lot of the sort of British punk bands so uh, obviously right. like the Sex Pistols but I remember re- he, he used to play Buzzcocks a lot and I remember we, we went to go see Buzzcocks actually what? um before obviously before Pete Shelley died yeah. um and uh yeah they were obviously one of the ones that were really sort of like influential at the time I just liked how they were, how they were like really melodic I, at that sort of point in time I wasn't I wasn't really that bothered about like uh things being like you know super visceral and super heavy it was right. more about like Essentially, just like what I, you know, what what counts as a pop song, but just like in a different mold. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe yeah. So those sort of bands, I'd say, So the British ones. Um,
0: I mean, you, yeah. It's a, I was gonna say you would definitely have uh, an advantage being from where where you're from <laughs> <laughs> of, of like being close access to some of those kind of bands. But uh, that's going to see the Buzzcocks with you. How old would you have been?
1: Um. Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, I was. It was actually quite a lot later. Uh, that we actually went to see him. I think I was like 13, 14, okay. around that sort of age. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say that that sort of works out so timeline wise. That's um, great. So, but yeah. I remember it being really cool. I I I remember it being quite weird because uh, it was it was. So I hadn't been to many gigs before that because um, I it was actually quite late that I started going to gigs. Well, I don't really have much of a gauge of other people when right. they go to gigs, but uh, I remember my first ever gig uh, was like when I was like eleven or twelve. And uh, that was to go see um, Dragon Force, um, which is uh, you know <laughs> yeah. there's first gigs and then there's going to watch Dragon Force. Which is you know, going something you know a little bit uh, out there. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember it being quite weird because like obviously at that show the age demographic was quite like relatively young, and this obviously going to Buzzcocks it was a lot older. And, like right. people were, it was lots of, sort of middle aged punk rockers, and um, that was quite a weird sort of like juxtaposition for me. But it was cool to see. It was a cool yeah. change of atmosphere.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that you probably grew up with one of the like the coolest dads, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> taking the well, buzzcock shows. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so so did that kind of hook you then, or is that just like as far as like punk is concerned, or was that just kind of the first that you sort of remember the you know being introduced was through your dad? Yeah, I mean,
1: it's so my my dad. So my dad's from Liverpool. Uh, my mom's from Wrexham, which is kind of close to Liverpool. Okay. So. But the earliest band sort of I got into was the Beatles because my right. dad's just a massive Beatles fan. Yeah. And uh, I remember we, we like to like – this sounds super pretentious, but we like to like analyze and dissect albums to the yeah. point of where they're no longer like enjoyable. <laughs> uh, but like um, I remember doing that with all the Beatles records. Like sure. I, I know like back to front. I remember like we used to go around drive and listen to it in the car and stuff. My dad used to tell me facts about the music and stuff. And right. I think that was the first sort of like – record the first sort of like artist where i was like actually approaching it as sort of like on like an intellectual level just as, instead of sort of like an emotional level trying to sort of yeah. pick apart like how the songs work and stuff yeah. but like yeah in terms of like punk i mean it's it's a tough one because like i i, I want to sort of like i don't know it's probably bad that um on you know listing my punk records i start off with avenge sevenfold and then going into pop punk which is probably the two cardinal sins but like <laughs> i mean like I obviously, like, a lot of the, sort of, pop-punk bands, the, sort yeah. of, early 2000s were very, sort of, gateway bands. So, like, I remember, obviously, loving, like, blink Two yeah, and the yeah. for Soup and, you know, like, you know, all the, sort of, like, generic ones that you would go through when you're a moody teenager. Sure. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't until, like, a lot later um, that I saw getting into more, sort of, like, hardcore punk bands. But, right. like,
0: because,
1: yeah, yeah. like, I remember for, like, a solid, of the, sort of, new school hardcore bands, I remember for a solid, like, two years or maybe like a year i wouldn't listen to anything else apart from like comeback kid because I just, okay like yeah. like yeah like, i kind of sort of like there was sort of a dip where like i was sort of you know i was enjoying like pop punk but it wasn't really yeah. doing it for me and i wanted something a little bit more visceral and uh yeah yeah so those so blink is the obvious one that sort of you know sort of started it all off sure. i'd say
0: but comeback kid those are some good canadian boys well, so yeah, yeah. Ca-
1: ca- ca- <laughs> so, Canadians. Canadians do po- punk better than Americans.
0: <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> gonna, you get a you get an extra point for that one. Oh, uh, Nice. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we we said kind of like on this show, like we talk about. Punk, like punk rock, under the umbrella of punk rock, and you mentioned, you know, things like pop punk and obviously hardcore punk and you know yeah, more, yeah. you know, traditional old school punk. Like it doesn't matter. Like I, I listen to it all, right? Like if, if for it, sure, if you I, like as it, well.
1: It. Just before I forget, as well. Like I, I remember there was actually a couple of Canadian bands at the time yeah. who I was really into. Like one of my favorite bands for a very, very long time, and still is. I sort of like you know appreciate them. Is uh, is Billy Talent? Sure. I used to yeah. always find that really funny when I was um like younger. You sort of see him through like. Uh, you know, they were like emo band but right. before we sort of, you know, before was listening to like Sunny Day Real Estate and seeing like, wow, these guys are actually sad. But like, um, <laughs> but I remember, um uh, but then like when you see interviews with with Billy Talent and bands like them and bands like My Couple of Romance, just none of them referred themselves as emos. Like, oh, we right. see ourselves like a punk band, we're just yeah. like a, a punk band, you know. And like later on, I saw the To Appreciate, they were just essentially a punk band. I mean, like, yeah, he had obviously, his high pitched vocals and you know, but they were, they were, they, they were just like, a, they were obviously really influenced by like, their that old school punk records and yeah. uh, they, just did, they just did it in their own way, you know, which I always think is, is like admirable in itself.
0: Well, it's interesting to me that you, you know, you, like because I, I don't think I ever really thought of Billy Talents as an emo band because when I when I heard them, what they actually reminded me of was a more like really quite polished, uh, maybe watered down a little bit version of At The Drive-In.
1: Yeah, uh, well, like yeah. The chaos yeah, the, that
0: came with that music, right? Like yes, they, they kind definitely. of refined that a little bit. And um, actually recently, this is, um, I, I don't know how, how into you know, going on YouTube and watching live performances you are, but uh, th- like how into it you are. But um, a few months ago, Billy Talent, actually, they went on uh, a YouTube show thing called House of Strombo. So
1: Oh, is that when they, co- they didn't cover Bulls on Parade? Uh, yes, that's what I was going to talk about. They yeah, Rage, when
0: they, they covered Rage they? Yeah, Against yeah, yeah. the Machine. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they did. Um, oh, What did they do? They did, did they do Bulls on Parade? Yeah, yep, it was Bulls on Parade. Well,
0: did they just do Bulls on Parade? I think it was yeah, just it was, Bulls on Parade. But I was like, when they said they were going to cover this Rage Against the Machine song, immediately I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Yeah, and... alarm <laughs> bells go off, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they actually, I thought they pulled it off pretty well, to be fair. They did. But
1: unfortunately for them, I don't know if you saw, but Denzel Curry did a version of Bulls on Parade as well. yeah, yeah. Uh, and he absolutely he does it on like a version uh, the chase okay. the Triple J I yeah think yeah that. and um, he absolutely smashed it and did That's this awesome. like incredible rendition yeah. and like it was no fault of Billy Talent it was obviously like guitar guitar tonality was perfect and stuff right. because I can't remember the guitarist's name I feel like I know it's Ben who's the singer but I can't remember what is called but he's, his tones and his guitars always sound incredible and the right. of stuff he can do just on one guitar but like so that side of it was completely covered, but like, yeah, it was it was awesome. But it was yeah. just because in my mind, I just recently seen that Denzel Curry version, <laughs> uh, which you should definitely check out if you get a chance because it's great.
0: Yeah, um, but it, it was it was this really neat sort of moment because, like you mentioned, Billy Talent and then House of Strombo, the guy who hosts it essentially, because they're all they're they're house shows that he puts on at his own house. He's like a that's sick. Yeah, he's like an, a Canadian alternative slash hard music sort of like. Um, icon in a sense like he was the guy on we had i mean when when mtv was a thing we had much music here in canada and uh so okay it was, cool yeah, canada's response to mtv and he hosted a number of like the sort of alternative shows george Strombolopoulos is his name he was just great ah, awesome yeah. great yeah. name what yeah name. right <laughs> <That's>
1: <laughs> so awesome what yeah go ahead I was going to say that, well, well, another cool thing about that as well, because I remember it being, like, sort of like a house show, because, like, house shows over here isn't really a thing. Like, they are. Right. But it's nowhere near as, like, big of a deal as it is in, like, American Canada, where, like, right. you know, some of the best shows, um, you know, like, the most memorable sort of shows have been, like, house shows. Like, even in, like, the pop-punk sphere, even when Neck Deep went over to uh, – America, they yeah. basically got signed at the back of doing those crazy house show tours, and like um so yeah, I wish that was sort of you know over here. I wish that was more of the thing over here,
0: yeah, 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 I don't know mm. if it's a huge thing over here, like I mean obviously for bands that are kind of getting going and just like looking for places to play, they definitely exist. I've seen yeah. like the odd you know kind of actual touring musician, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Pedro the Lion at all. Um, uh, no, I don't think I am Yeah, kind of like an indie emo Sort of thing from Seattle area But anyway, he uh, he was just Touring solo at one point And I saw him play a house show Which I thought was great Because it was like one of my favorite songwriters, Dave Bazon is his name. Like one of my favorite songwriters of all time, and I get to see him, you know, with fifty other people in a house show. That was pretty crazy. But that's awesome. Yeah. So cool. So that's let's so rad. Yeah, let's talk about the new record that you guys have got coming out. That's why yes. that's why we're doing it. It's great to just chill. Yeah, but, probably, but it's
1: also fun to talk about punk as well.
0: So, yeah, and, and we'll, kinda, we'll kinda we'll kind of segue in a little bit because uh the new record that you got coming out in a few weeks here is called Beautiful Life. And I just yes. wanted to ask, was there anything, you know, kind of like over the course of putting this record together, that maybe you were listening to, or reading, or watching, that was that was influencing you, or was did you lock yourself away in a cabin? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, what I will say is, so for starters, this has been like the record, the, 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 the you know the recording and sort of construction of this album's been the longest process. It's been about like two years yeah. of just back and forth, and and some of it's, like, unavoidable, because it's things like, obviously, Mark with his wrestling schedule, you know, it it does, like, make, like, solid chunks of time being somewhere in a studio quite difficult, but, like, we just, we just, there were so many elements to it that we just had to get right, and we did it, like, all ourselves, you know, we did it independent, and, like, we did things, uh, like, we recorded like, a choir, a kids' choir, and, like, we had to go in, it was a really cool school, um, near us where we went and just like recorded the choir there and like you know so it was just like such a long process so what i would say is that like i tend to listen to an album to death mm-hmm. uh in like sort of very sh- uh short bursts so i'll spend like uh, three weeks just listening to one album essentially picking it apart and sort of analyzing it and then i'll sort of move on to something else um but there were lots of sort of like yeah there was, like, there was loads of bands that sort of went into the sort of uh, you know, into the whole thing. I, I think initially, because we were thinking sort of big concept art when we started, lots of the sort of like Black Parade, and American Idiot was sort of like, we wanted that scope in okay. terms of like, you know, uh, that sort of like stadium rock sort of sound. And like, it's funny with the songs that we've released so far, it's almost not like a red herring, but we haven't fully shown what's like, you know, behind the curtain about what, you know, what is actually on there, because a lot of it is very, very sort of like, uh, so almost like glam rock, stadium rock influence as opposed to, like, pop punk, it's, it's, it's it's definitely probably our furthest thing away from pop punk, um, so that was sort of, like, the initial, uh, influence in those records, but as well, like, Queen was a huge, huge influence on the sort of, like, uh, almost like the storytelling and the structure of the sort of songs, like, I always loved how obviously you have someone like Freddie Mercury was such like an incredible musician and such like an, a, a massive personality, but also the songs that the frameworks, the songs that you know uh, he's working to are incredible as well. They're written like classic song classical songs, yeah, yeah, and um, but they just they just this, they're they're almost like. Um, uh so generous with melody. There's so much to unpack in you know, if you like Don't Stop Me Now and like obviously it's, like things like Bohemian Rap Steve, even like you're my best friend, mm-hmm. there's so much to unpack sort of like sonically. So like that was also like a really really big influence. But yeah, like, as as the album went on, there were kind of like different things the sort of like went into the sort of influence of making it and it was funny because like i'm such like control freak and i'm such like i i i, 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 feel, I never feel like it's done that we'll get to a point and i'll be like i'll listen to i don't know like a i don't know like a, a queen record and i go okay we got to go back and change this thing because i heard this <laughs> thing on this one record and it'd be so sick and we did this in our own way right um but then like you know like the, there's still like a bit of blink in there as well but yeah. more sort of their latter sort of um, discography in the sort of uh, a little bit more, a little bit more conceptual and uh, a bit bigger scope because I'm really big on uh, on like the latter, well, the sort of well, I suppose now it's their middle period. Right. of like, yeah, yeah, I I really like Neighborhoods. I think that's a great record. Yeah, and um, I remember that being quite a big influence at in the beginning. So yeah, like lot, lots of stuff really, and um, sort of went into it, but it was definitely sort of big sound was what we were looking for, like almost like you know um, wall of sounds, but. Yeah. Yeah, big scope,
0: so yeah. So yeah, you mentioned a number of things in it that I wanna I want to ask you about in a minute, but but first, um you talked about how long it took to put this yes. record together. And I mean Day of the Dead, that was a song that you released as a single, you know, like Yes. It seems like forever ago now. I don't <laughs> it, it <laughs> yeah, probably well, was. <laughs> yeah, but so you know, when when you when you recorded and released that song, were you actually in the process of of doing the you know like was beautiful life a thing that was in the works or did it oh, kind of yeah yeah
1: for sure for sure yeah, yeah. we I, I, well we we recorded drums for pretty much the whole record by that point we did it in a really weird order basically we did it we did it back to front where we did um, uh, bass guitar first with electronic drums then we did drums
0: oh, okay. um
1: and then we did it that way it was a bit it was it seemed like a good idea at the time uh, <laughs> but it was actually an absolute nightmare but at that point we'd done like sort of initial version of drums um uh, but then obviously like when we wanted to put something out we were like oh we want to work on day of the dead right. properly so we sort of set everything else aside and finished that up gotcha. and then we went back and sort of like re- redid a lot of bits like some songs were cut out because they just didn't really, they just, they, we liked them but they didn't quite feel, you know, strong enough. So yeah. we just thought it was better to be like, because I've always preferred like a tighter, you know, tighter album package than like, you know, just lots of songs. But yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, so like, it was funny because Day of the Dead, it was almost like in terms of like very, very basic structure of how it was written, was one of the later, the sort of latter songs to be written. For the record, but it just so happened that it ended up being the first one that came out because a lot of it changed as we went on. So, so
0: we, yeah. Well, I was gonna say, did you did you record like start the process with you know bass to electric drums? Was was that done because of like Mark's schedule or what was what was the thought process yeah. that? Yeah,
1: yeah. So it was it was because it was initially it was because of Mark's schedule because we knew he was away for a big chunk of time and right. if we got it down then it would almost give us this sort of incentive to finish it. But right. the problem is that like uh i mean like um, it sounds super pretentious that like talking about like you know like a vibe or a feeling of songs but like drums for drums to like lock in with guitars it's quite hard to do it in reverse like you usually start with the drums for for a reason so like the drums at the bass and guitar sort of lock in we were very very lucky that si our drummer is like incredible and he made it work and really feel it anyway but um it it was it was it was yeah it was it was a it was a little bit difficult to sort of lock into. Um, and like, that's why it was so difficult because like we record the drums and they sound great, but then you'd listen back and be like, oh, those guitars we record don't quite work now right. with this new structure. So we almost had to like, not scrap it completely, but we definitely had to go back and change a lot to make it work. So it was almost like it kind of backfired on us doing <laughs> it that way, but yeah. it's, you know, it's whatever. It, it, helped, it helped us, you know, start the ball rolling, which is the important bit. Um, yeah.
0: so yeah, did you record this? Like, were you at a studio? I know you do production work of your own or did you, so were you at another studio working with other people or were you just doing this on your own? So, you know, going back and maybe changing some bass parts after the drums were kind of done, was that, was that a big <laughs> hassle or could you just kind of do it on your time?
1: So it was kind of, it was, so basically all the demo in and, you know, pre-production I did and we did in just my house um, but then we've got a really good friend called Tim, Tim Vincent, he's called and uh he recorded the record and um, he has a studio literally like ten, fifteen minutes away from us. And it was funny, when we did like Junior Land, we recorded that up in Sheffield, um, which is about like three or four hours away. So like, you know, we had we had to commit to that and we stayed up there and like whatever we recorded in that moment in time, you know, that's what we had and there's no good going back. Which I remember we really didn't like at the time, which was one of the main reasons why we went to Tim because we knew that Tim was around the corner. So if we wanted to make any changes, then we could just literally call up and call him up and be like, "Hey, do you mind if we just do this within reason, obviously, because the guys has right. you know, live." But um, <laughs> uh, it um, it was yeah. So what happened was essentially is we booked like a big slot of time with with Tim. That's a lot of T's in that sentence. <laughs> a lot of time with Tim. Anyway, we booked a big slot. And then we'd do it in little sort of like bursts, and go back for like two or three days, and make some amendments. Two or three days again, and there would be times where like all the the production, so like the, the synths and stuff, I do here, and then it, then Tim would import it into his project, and then sort of mix it into the project, which was good because it meant that like you know. We, for times where tim was busy there was still stuff to do but it did make it sort of like a little bit fractured in that like obviously there was so much going on in so many different places but like luckily because tim's he's a he's awesome he's so good at what he does and you know it, it helped have him so close and we were already friends before recording mm. um that he got what we were going for and like he was really into the project and like it meant that we'd you know we'd come with him and be like hey do you mind if we just Stick some strings on this now, and then he'd be like, yeah, sure, no worries," and then we could we could do that. So we're really beneficial that we did it that way.
0: Right on. So you'd mentioned Junior Land there, and you also mentioned you know a few minutes ago about being uh, influenced by albums like American Idiot and Black Parade, and then influences from Queen and all that kind of stuff. Like um, with you know like rock operas or or what have you. Is there with with Junior Land? You know there was there was a bit of a recurring theme through throughout the record. And then you know, mentioning like I said, Black Parade and stuff like that. Is there is there like a theme that works its way through this record at all, or is it just kind of a collection of songs that you wanted to flow from point A to point B?
1: No, there's definitely there's definitely a theme. So I, I like to think so. Junior Land was quite introspective. It was very much sort of about our own experiences. I'd say mm-hmm. in that, like, um, it was about when I, I you know I moved to uni and it, I moved to university. Sorry and um, uh, Mark was was moving to America to wrestle,
0: yeah.
1: and like it was a very not turbulent time, but it was like there was lots going on, big changes in our lives, and like it felt that like the mu- the music sort of came naturally as a sort of you know as a byproduct of that. So it was it was a lot more introspective, and like it was about like home was one of the central themes. Whereas like beautiful life, it still has that and that like there's lots of our own experiences in there as well, but it's more so about um, the the. Other people's perspectives and how, like, um, I suppose the best way to describe it was I, we we wanted to do it, understand the experience of people who are don't feel comfortable in their own skin, whether it's whether they are having trouble, you know, understanding their identity or their, you know, gender or like lots of sort of gender politics issues made its way into this into this record because it's obviously we we are all um, you know strong advocates for feminism in our band. And, like, you know, I feel very strongly about those sort of issues. Um, and uh, I we, we've got friends who obviously, you know, um, identify as different genders and stuff, and seeing the sort of, like, backlash from people who don't fully understand or want to take in that sort of, like, uh, how, those, how those kind of people live and what the negative sort of effects it has on them and how uncomfortable it makes them feel, we wanted to sort of, like, that was kind of almost the basis of being, like, we want to sort of, like... Say like you know, we want to be friends. You know, uh, open with these people as possible, and be like, look, we, this is a, a positive album. It's about appreciating like the beautiful things in life, and you should be happy just how you you know just how you are. Well, whatever you want to be, hmm. you be that, and don't let anyone sort of put you against that, or like make you feel like you have to feel a certain way. If you want to, you know, if you want to identify as this, or if you want to feel a certain way, you do it because like only you can live your life. So. It was about appreciating the smaller things in life that make it sort of beautiful, which is sort of like the concept really I'd say right. it's sort of like a broad and it it covers lots of sort of different issues in in the record because like there's things like um I don't know if you know over there what happened with um Grenfell Tower over in London where um uh, a tower block was burned burned down mm. um of flats, and it was a really really it was a really, really big issue because our our government, which we have here at the moment. Um, basically was completely useless, right. and lots of people suffered, and it was a very, very, very difficult time for lots of um, disprivileged people, and it was, so there's lots of sort of, like, kind of sort of political leanings on this record as well, so yeah, it covers quite a lot of ground, it's not quite as, like, uh, centrally themed as Junior Land was, and that, you know, that sort of level of introspective, it covers a lot more issues, but the, 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 the centre, you know, the, the most important bit remains in that, like, feeling comfortable in your own skin and just being yourself, which sounds lame. It sounds like sort of an after-school special, but like it's, it's important, you know, we feel it's important. So yeah. Sorry. That was quite long winded. No, no, it's good. (laughs) So,
0: I mean, we, we don't have like a central character or story that's working through this album, just more, um, I guess a a collection of stories or whatever that you feel are, are important for people. So, yes, so, Looking back to the song "Day of the Dead," for instance, does that is that a song because it's it's written from a first person perspective? So is that a song that that is from personal experience, or is it just another one of those things where you wrote it from a first person perspective, but it's you know kind of maybe inspired by someone else's story?
1: Well, so that one is probably the most introspective of them all like that is a sort of direct personal experience so like that i kind of wanted to deliberately blur the lines between what is like actually from my perspective or from our perspective collectively or if it's like what we've observed because like who it's almost like who it comes from shouldn't really matter if it's like an issue which we feel like is very very important you know and it's like Mm -hmm. we don't want people to be turned off if they feel like it's not because obviously people want to relate to to songs like when you listen to an artist you want to feel like i feel like that too and it's quite hard to gauge whether if it's coming from your perspective or you're telling someone else's story whether people want to engage with it more or less right. so i think if you keep it deliberately vague then uh people just take it as face value and are able to sort of like you know be able to relate to it easier if they are going through that experience themselves yeah. um and uh it always feels a little less disingenuous as well because like um because I know that like we've thought a lot about these sort of themes and issues and you know these people's experiences but like it's it, it can sometimes be difficult to sort of translate that so if everything is a bit sort of vague um it I feel like people are more comfortable with sort of digesting it
0: Mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about i guess the music video for playing the part because it's uh it's a pretty great video <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah thank you yeah, thanks how so, can you can you just share a bit i guess how that sort of came together whose i whose idea it was and whatnot for the concept so, so yeah for sure so
1: basically uh we spent a long time doing day of the dead at the time it was uh it was a it was it was only a short video shoot but it was quite intense like we had to do the storyboard and the, like uh the, the the theme and like what it looked like and then the performance shots and the performance shots were was were were quite taxing because that room was like a million degrees and it was a really hot day <laughs> and I remember just feeling like we'd be three or four hours in and I was like this is the worst um and it was quite so the whole video process was quite like uh intense so this video uh we weren't actually there at the time and we needed a video um so we Call up our friend Alex Bull, who's filmed our other videos. He didn't film Day of the Dead, but he filmed like um, Fall to Pieces. He did Veronica, okay. uh, and we said to him, "Look, this is the theme of the album. You know, this is space. Is obviously, you know, th- you know, uh, in terms of like, was aesthetically space has obviously played quite a big theme. Yeah, uh, we were happy. We trust your judgments. Like, and just." if you have any ideas and he, he came up with the idea and was like, Oh, why don't we go around all the places in Cardiff and like have this, you know, astronaut helmet because like, it's sort of like a, you know, and just like a, someone dancing in the street and doing what they want. Cause it's kind of like sort of representation of being like, you know, don't worry what other people think of you around you right. as long as you're happy in yourself. And like, you know, just be joyous in that. And uh, we thought it was really, really cool. It was really like, it was, it was really like off the cuff for him as well. He just sort of thought it up very, very quickly and he's got such an eye for detail that we knew that when he, got, he came to record the shots, he'd really, really be able to do it justice. So we couldn't have been happier with how it turned out, to be honest. And uh, so we, can't, we almost can't really take any credit for that. That was all Alex's work. Um, and he just, yeah, he, he just he interpreted it himself and made something really, really cool. Yeah. um so yeah i'll
0: well, say thank you alex because it's it's totally like this video where you know you put it on and you, you kind of can't help but smile and feel good right like <laughs> yeah well that was
1: that was the thing we wanted it to be sort of like joyous because, yeah it's like you know the album is supposed to be like joyous i mean there's obviously like heavy bits on it yeah. uh and there's like sad bits but it's a it's a happy album it's a, you know it's a celebration of, of, of existing yeah so you know that we wanted that sort of come across and luckily he smashed that
0: so where did the space theme sort of thing come from? Because, yeah, you, you mentioned, like, the aesthetic, uh, you know, and, and kind of updating the logo and all that kind of stuff. But then, obviously, with the record itself, the cover is a, a, a kid wearing an astronaut suit, right? So,
1: Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, so, wh- uh, when, where did that come from? Um, well, yeah, well, I mean, like, once the um, lawsuit between me and Tom DeLong um, <laughs> you know, was settled and he said that it couldn't take any more Angel Airways, like this. know. So, like, so for me, like, in this instance um space it, it was a really funny we tried but everything sort of comes back to sort of like the central theme of the record and like I, I i remember when so one of our early one of the songs that came out uh afterwards so I don't know what i do was sort of like i feel like it sort of encapsulates as the best In mm-hmm. that like when i was sort of thinking about the sort of space theme and stuff is that like i imagine that when you're like the best way i can sort of describe or, I like try and articulate how what it feels like when you've either, like, lost someone or gone through something which is really uh, traumatic, um, whether it's, like, suffering with, you know, going through a very depressive phase. Um, it's very isolating. It's very lonely. Um, and, like, it. it to me, it, it feels like sort of being, like, lost right. in space. Like, it's this empty chasm of, you know, uh, just nothingness. Um, and it can be very lonely and isolating, but everything around you is actually, like, incredible. Like, you know, space is one of the most mind-blowing sort of... Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, the um, you know, phenomena that we've ever experienced. And, like, you know, it's hard to appreciate that when you go feel like you're going through your roughest time. But then the idea of being, like, rescued and, like, you know, there's still being a light on the horizon, um, it, it that idea of sort of, like, hope is really sort of, like, interwoven into sort of lots of sort of space... Um, Uh, culture, not culture, but like space media, you know, like whether it's like in like films or in like music and like, so yeah, for me it was more sort of like a thematic thing as opposed to like an aesthetic thing, but it just so happened that we're all really big on that sort of aesthetic anyway so, and everything just kind of fell into place really, as a result of that
0: So, I don't know if you can answer this question or not, but was like, with Mark's ring attire, he kind of you know, brings in sort of like using the NASA font and stuff like, was that all done together sort of thing or was it just purely coincidental that you know everyone just happened to like sort of space stuff?
1: <laughs> well it was it was it's one of the i don't want to put words this map i think i i genuinely think it was just because we all kind of like space in our own sort of like right, <laughs> in our yeah. own sort of way <laughs> uh and i i mean that predates the record being put together okay yeah. um and uh i know mark is really big on like sort of like space imagery anyway yeah. um and like i because like obviously like with high-flying Sure. sort of like part of his monkey with his wrestling. Yep. Um, that um, And it was sort of like the next evolution of that. And if I remember rightly, yeah, I think it sort of predates it. All but, right. like, it was weird. I don't think it was like when he went to that, he was like, oh let's do an album about space because you've done a space gimmick with wrestling, and right. it wasn't like, oh, <laughs> you, you know, we've got an album about space, so you should do a space gimmick with your wrestling. Yeah, it yeah. was genuinely, everything just sort of happened in tandem. It was, it right was, it was quite peculiar, but uh, it, was, it was cool. Yeah. Everything sort of fell into
0: place. I think I just happened to notice it around the same time, probably because you know, the the junior stuff with the space cadets and all that, and all of a sudden...
1: Well, that, that, once once everything sort of fall into place, yeah. we, we did then try to sort of merge the two lanes, basically, right. because it made sense. It'd be stupid not to, you know, right. because, like, a like, Mark started wearing, like, the junior logo on his jacket and things like yeah. that, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it was just cool. It was a cool thing to be able to embrace, because you should have fun with it, you know what I mean? Like, It sure. is about having fun, enjoying yourself, so... For sure. Uh, and re- so was wrestling, because it's just yeah. another art form, so, Yeah.
0: So back back to the record though um as we kind of diverged a little bit there. Um yeah, that's right. so like I know you talked earlier about you know Beatles records and absolutely just like listening to them and breaking them down this and that and what have you. Does something like sequencing, like track sequencing, how big of you know kind of a a role or whatever does that play for you when putting a record together? Are you very meticulous about going oh, this is an opener, big, this is It's the
1: biggest deal. Yeah. It's the biggest deal. It's the it's the it's it was the most stressful process that I, I think more so than any sort of like part that we've done, you know, of the record was the track listing. Cause it does, it makes such a massive difference. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's just, it's, it's, I'm trying cause like just the way things are structured, obviously like people, really know, that like the first song and the last song, obviously like, you know, uh, the book ends of a record, but there's right. so many different aspects that go into like, you know, uh, a, a you know a record's lesson. Like one of my favorite records of all time is OK Computer by Radiohead. Sure, yeah. And like air, um, Airbag, which opens the record, uh, and the tourists which closes the records. They make perfect sense. Um, and and then like electioneering, being a later later point. Um, it, it, there's so many things go on to into it. Like even to do with like pacing. Like you don't want it to drag. You don't want it to sag. And I always hate it when records, and you can't help it a lot of the time. And people probably, you know, people still might say this about our record, but I hate listening to a record and the first half is like great and right. full with all the singles, and then you get to the second half and it sags, and it, you feel, sure. you know, you feel the fatigue. Um, and they might have to pull it back maybe with like the last song or whatever. Like I feel like you have to evenly distribute like your songs, the ones you feel like the strongest throughout the album. And uh, oh, we thought, you know, long and hard about. The track listing. We knew the only things that were definite was the first song and the last song, right. and that was literally it, and everything else had to fall into place naturally. And I think the track listing changed. Like, literally, we were doing the artwork for the CD, and they were like, oh, what's the tracklisting? <laughs> and then we had a change of mind and then sent it off. So I think literally the only reason it stayed how it was, you know, was because we had to send it off for prints, so, <laughs> so yeah.
0: Finally, it was like, okay, we got to set this in stone. This yeah, is what we is. got
1: no choice now. There's literally, no <laughs> choice. Uh, yeah.
0: how, how great, how entertaining could it be though, if you know you have a a track listing for the CD, a track listing for you know like the. Uh, oh. like digital streaming just because you know there you kind of free form if you want or so don't tap me yeah yeah <laughs>
1: don't <laughs> tap me you're like, I'm just gonna I'll keep changing it, it. <laughs> yeah I do it give me more opportunities to change it right but, um.
0: <laughs> but this does lead into my next question though with sequencing uh, because there is a vinyl release for for this album so yeah. how much thought goes into sequencing an album when you're you know you're just putting it up digitally or on CD where it's like okay this is plays start to finish there's no interruptions versus mm-hmm. sequencing for a record where you know halfway through or roughly thereabout it's gonna have to be yes. flipped over.
1: Yeah, so there was a there was a there was a decision made where we knew what the halfway point or like the vinyl flip moment was going to be. Right. There's a song in it called Baby Blue, which is essentially um uh, we tried to write a song like Hey Jude being like okay. just like super anthemic song, big around the piano, uh cool. just a, a almost like a repeating chorus that closes out the track basically. it was right. just this big, bombastic, silly song. Uh, and like it almost like because we tried aim so high in terms of like scope, but like if we try to you know it it it'd feel like you need a bit of a breather before going to something else, or otherwise it just feel like a bit of a it would feel like how a Muse album feels like sometimes. So I love Muse, right. they're one of my favorite bands, yeah. but you know where like. You, you, they keep on adding things. They keep on yeah. adding like more strings, more, more this, that, and that, and eventually you reach a ceiling where like nothing, nothing like surprises you or nothing like <laughs> you know excites you. Because like if you have got like space orchestras going on, then there's nothing. Where do you go from there? Yeah. Whereas like I feel like if you have a good respite in the middle and then follow up with a song which is maybe the complete opposite of that last song, you can right. kind of like s- save the pace and like keep things interesting. So yeah, we thought about the the vinyl flip, and luckily. Because obviously, like with vinyl like timings because they've got to fit onto the grooves, you know yeah. like luckily, it did work out where we could do it how we wanted to, but uh, yeah, that could have been disastrous oh, if i didn't if I didn't get my way
0: yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to hear it because like that's that's the thing like with vinyl, a lot of times when I listen to you know pressing sometimes it doesn't really matter, right like it's just kind of like yes. okay, it's a collection of songs, but when an artist puts like that thought into closing side a. Um, you know you can definitely pick up on that I feel so I'm kind of
1: especially I find it interesting when we're in the sort of like post vinyl era like obviously now people buy vinyl for like the sentimental value or just to sort of support the artist but like obviously technically vinyl should play no part in your sort of like your structure of your track listing but I find it really interesting when you see yeah like you said when you see artists who do because it seems really weird it's like oh you didn't (laughs) need to do that but you did so it's kind of amazing to appreciate it more and I feel like an album does benefit from that because like there's a reason well, you no. Know, the reason is because obviously you know you fit so many songs onto one side, but like sure, you know, yeah. the, 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 lots of records were structured like that. Yeah, back in like the sixties and seventies. So yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and that's why I brought up. You know, you mentioned dissecting the Beatles and Queen and stuff like that, and like yes. artists who that would have been, you know, their 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 main focus for what a release looked like. And yes, yeah. When you, and sometimes it's interesting because like listening even to a digital, you know, like stream on Apple Music, Spotify, whatever. You can kind of hear sometimes either I'm listening, going, "Oh, that'd be a great place to end side A," you know, yeah, <laughs> or yeah, you know, totally. whether or yeah. not that's intentional or not, um, it, it's an interesting sort of uh, thing that we get because, yeah, with CDs and with digital streaming, you know, that's that's not as big of a deal, right? Like you just hit play <laughs> and 35, 40 <laughs> minutes later, you've reached the end.
1: Yeah, well, I like to think, like we say, I like to think that people that like, artists do think about it, yeah, and like it's one of those things where like you get like artists who. Yeah. Uh, you know, leave things very, very interpretive to almost like let their sort of fan base fill in the gaps, and whether that's like them, you know, just sort of doing that for the sake of doing it or whether it's like a, it's an intentional decision. But like, I like to think that artists think about it more than sort of they let on because, like, you, should, you listen to some, like you said, and you're like, that. W- that is where side A ends. Yeah. That is where, and then you go on side B. And you can just tell straight away.
0: Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, I, I wanted to ask you one last uh, sort of thing. Are there any with with this record, "Beautiful Life"? Are there any like Easter eggs or moments, kind of that you're like, "This is this is," uh, you, you just smile or whatever when you hear it or think of it.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like, so we're big on like intertextual references and uh, um, Easter eggs in our songs, and like there are there are a few in there. Yeah. Uh, it was funny because like obviously. Junior Land was such like a long process. Like we we, we rode Junior Land for so long. Yeah. But what was essentially a, a long EP, uh we you know, we had the initial release and then we did the deluxe edition with the extra songs yeah. on it that were recorded and the sort of the interims and like we we tried to make like a whole world around that, you know, Junior Land trying to be this sort of like physical manifestation of a place. Um and there was lots of things like in, in the video for like House is not quite home, you know, it's it's that is Lakeside, that's where right. around where we live and yep. stuff, you know. There was very, very like that. Um I think that what you'll see initially on the surface is lots of sort of like intertextual references within itself of the record. Like you get like um you'll get some references to like other songs on the record. Right there's on. a couple of like sneaky ones that like if you're like a hardcore junior fan, you'll you'll listen to and go oh that's that's a reference to like you know some of the earlier stuff yeah but uh yeah you'll just have to wait and see. you'll have to wait and yeah see. for sure but there's, what i can tell you is there's lots of moments that make me smile just right. because like it's it was just a nice process to do and uh uh yeah even though it was really stressful i loved every minute of it so well,
0: and i like that you in know. in that you brought up junior land because obviously there's uh you know, like the, the straight up lyrical copy and paste from one song to another, yeah. right? But yeah. which, which. That
1: was because we run out of lyrics now. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was, that was honestly on Junior Land, it was the first moment where I went. Okay, what's going on on this record? Because clearly you're now linking two songs directly, uh, yeah. And so it was just kind of this neat thing. It reminded me a little bit of how the Wonder Years closed out the Greatest Generation, where they literally take yeah. lines from well, like every song. That
1: was such that was such like an uh, influence. That was like, I mean we yeah. were we were, Mark is the is probably the biggest Wonder Years fan. Oh, well, I mean we were all massive Wonder Years fans, but right. like obviously that record came out and like I feel like no other pop punk record could compete. I mean, like, yeah. you obviously had the stories of Fars and stuff doing their thing, and, yeah. like, you had Four Year doing their thing, and, yeah. but, like, Greatest Gen is just, like, to me, is the sort of, like, the best one the years record, yeah. and, like, yeah, like you said, I mean, they're big on it anyway. They always, like, sort of, you know, do intertextual references in their songs, and when they did... Yeah. Um, like uh even in uh what's it called? Uh it's passing through a screen door, yeah. Um when he does like um, you know, referencing Mavis the Highway and, you know, their old right. songs yeah, yeah. Is, is is so it's such a cool thing. I remember, yeah, that played a big part in Junior Land, I
0: think. Yeah. Well it reminds um, me I don't know, like this might be going kind of off the off the map a little bit, but in a sense it reminds me of I grew up loving Kevin Smith movies. Uh, so, oh, yeah. yeah, all okay. the Jay and yeah. Silent Bob movies. And there was always like references between those movies that tied sure. them all together, right? And without yeah. being like, oh, this is a direct sequel. Obviously down the line, there were eventually direct sequels. But in those first batch of movies, it was just that they, they took place in the same universe, as it were. So I like the, yeah, those like cross references here and there, or even I guess more, of a more modern sort of um, or, or like uh, content, like current sort of example would be like the Marvel movies, right? Like,
1: Well, this and this is the thing is that like obviously Kevin Smith is obviously a massive comic book yeah, fan. and I always yeah, feel yeah. like intertextual reference is such a big comic book trope. Sure, that, yeah. Like he obviously translates that into his films. Yeah. And like obviously now it's, it's, we're in such a different climate now and that like it's obviously cool to like comic book films. Yeah. Like, you know, Marvel, the Marvel Universe, the MCU is like the biggest right. film franchise ever. But, like, you know, it was almost like, I like to think that intertextual references are sort of giving back to sort of, like, uh, people who are really into that sort of, like, that, that project whether it's like a comic book or a film or or an album you know and it's like it's like people want to celebrate it on the same level that you feel you know that you enjoy it as well um so like i I, yeah i think that and i think he's great for that um kevin smith i think that i think that hopefully that sticks around and you know people still do it because i think it's great
0: yeah no it's it's and, and i'm looking forward to hearing that kind of you know like translating in, in your music and whatever, just be, I, I love being able to sit down. I'm sure I'm definitely not the only one, but sit down and listen and go, Oh, wait, that's what he's talking about here and here, or whatever. You know, like that's yeah, that's neat tying it all together. So, um, yeah, man, looking forward to the to the new record and uh, thanks for taking Thank so the time. Much. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to sit down and chat about it.
1: Hey, there's no worries. I'm you know, I'm happy to do it anytime you want.